Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swandingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. And welcome back to another episode of the Swan Dingo Files with a Dango H.O. Baby. Today I have a special guest, Stephen O'Donnell, fellow veteran, and he's got some pretty interesting stories he can probably tell us today. So I'd like to welcome Stephen. How's it going today? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Uh, just enjoying nice Texas weather and getting ready to jump in my pool hopefully here in a few days. So I know you're up in Wisconsin, so you can keep that cold weather up there, please. <laughs> yeah, we're we're about to get another uh, Mother Nature's not done with us just yet. She's about to hit us again. So, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, keep keep that cold up there. I know someplace it'll snow, and I'll take my nice Texas eighty degree weather down here. So, but today we're going to discuss uh, why you joined your military service while you're in. I know you're EOD, so of course you probably got some weird stuff to talk about it with that, and also uh, your transition period out. So if you want to take it away, um, why did you join the military? Uh, coming out of high school back in 1991, uh, didn't have a lot of options because I didn't apply myself. So, um, early on in the jun- my junior year, uh, I met a recruiter and, uh, John, uh, he was a staff sergeant at the time, John Nunley, still friends with him today. We, uh, he got me to convince me to join the Marine Corps, um, out of a graduating class of 140. There were 10 of us that went in the Marine Corps that year. So not bad, not bad for him. No, that's so, not too bad, I guess. Uh, so, uh, what job did you get in the Marines? So I was going in as a grunt, but when we went, uh, when I finished, uh, basic and then went to, at the time they had Marine combat training, which was a month. Um, and that during that time, my archers started breaking down. They were talking about med boarding me. Uh, I called John and I said, you know, I, I haven't even, I mean, I've been a Marine for less than a month and, uh, cause you're still a recruit even during boot camp. You're not, you don't get Marine until you graduate. And then, uh, um, so I called him up and uh, my AC or not the AC, my, uh, ASVAB scores were, uh, good enough so that they, he helped me get reclassed. So I went to ground support equipment on the air wing side. And then, uh, there, from there, I went to more specialized training in the cryogenics arena for, uh, liquid oxygen, liquid nitrogen, and then gaseous forms of both for the avionics and other aspects of, uh, of the, uh, air wing side. I didn't know, I honestly didn't know that was a job, but oh, yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, they uh, they use a lot of those uh, components or those uh, those types of uh, of elements to uh, in cooling systems for you know for avionics and all sorts of different things. So cool. So how long did you stay in the Marines then? Uh, joined ninety one, came off active duty ninety six. Uh, my last two years in or year and a half in, I was uh, a marksmanship instructor as well. So another hat that I wore, you know, type of thing. Got it. So. Uh, so, uh, but I know you got out and I know you rejoined the army, um, was it like 99 when you joined, um, that time, that time period between 96 and 99, what, um, what did you do in that time frame? Um, well, I got out for the wrong reasons, but, uh, I did some construction projects. Uh, I went to college at Western Illinois university. Um, I definitely played too much rugby and, put, and drank too much beer that year. So, uh, after that, uh, debacle. I decided to join the military again, 
And uh, this time I went to the Army, um, took the ASVAB over again, scored higher. They tried to give me the the normal five, you know, armor, infantry, artillery, combat engineer, uh, yada, yada, yada. So um, the next job they offered was uh, UAV mechanic and pilot. And then, and then obviously the program was very infantile at that stage because uh, 9-11 hadn't happened. We weren't overseas yet. So, um, and the one after that was uh, explosive ordnance disposal, military bomb squad, and I volunteered for that. That's, uh, so you volunteered for that. How long is the school for you? I forgot. Been a while. Um, it just depends on like how many times, um, uh, so you, you're authorized two roles, meaning that you fail a division within the school and they'll, um, and depending on your academic, uh, you know, backtrack record, um, they'll put you back into a class to see if you can make it through. Now, the interesting part when I joined the army, they sent me to Fort Jackson. Uh, for 12, I was there only for 12 days for uh, processing of paperwork and getting uniforms. And then they sent me to, um, they sent me to Redstone Arsenal for, or Huntsville, Alabama, basically for the, uh, at the time it was a 55 Bravo. And that's the ammunition supply point BB stackers, you know, the, the bullet counters. So I was, I got there on Labor Day weekend. And I didn't check in until after that weekend, uh, with the schoolhouse. And they're like, yeah, you're AWOL. You're supposed to be at Eglin Air Force Base. So, you know, I'm great way to start your second career. I'm, I start out, you know, being AWOL the first long weekend we've got. <laughs> so they, anyway, they meant, they amended the orders and then finally sent me to Eglin. When I got there, the Marine Corps already had a clearance on me. The Army started one. So I sat there for six months waiting for them to figure that out. So, um, it's, I think it's a roughly about a nine month school. If you do it, you know, if you can get through it, um, I finally graduated February of 2001 and then uh, was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. That was my first unit uh, by, I want to say, April because I had to go up, up to Huntsville for some Army-specific uh, training for EOD. Um, and then uh, went to Fort Benning, and then uh, 9-11 happened, and then we got locked down that whole um, that whole first year right after 9-11. And then we finally first deployed to Baghdad in uh, – we arrived September 9th, 2003, or yeah, 2003. So where were you at in Baghdad in 2003? Like, so, I know it's a, it's a big city, so. Yeah. Well, so third ID came over and there were three EOD companies in Baghdad at the time. Um, they'd been in actual Baghdad for three months. You know, they'd been in Kuwait, they came over the berm and then they finally made their way up to Baghdad. And I think they'd been occupying Baghdad for about three months when we, when we got there. Our unit took over for three other units. Um, we had six organic teams, and then they gave us two teams that were TCS, Army TCS teams to us, and then two Navy teams. So we had five, five or uh, ten teams running in five sectors of Baghdad. I specifically was up in the northwest uh, living out of the Martyrs Monument, um, dealing with um, – what the hell is the name of that town up there? Uh, uh It'll come to me. I, my point is, is that, um, you know, the embassy, the, uh, the embassy that had been bombed was just down the street on Pluto. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a crazy time. Yeah. No, I know I was there in 2003, four. And, uh, that's why I was kind of asking. I was like, man, I wonder if I ran into you before at one point. Cause I was, uh, 270th armor out of uh-huh. Abu, Abu Ghraib and, uh, Amarillo right next to where Camp Victory, 
uh, eventually got put up, uh, yeah. before, before it got put up. And that's why I was kind of wondering. So we had EOD guys occasionally attached to us. And, uh, I know some of the bigger missions, we'd have some EOD attached to us. So that's why I was kind of wondering. It's like, man, I wonder if I ran into you before. So September, September 9th, uh, through April, we got, we finally, we only did uh, six months missions back then. Um, technically in, in country for about seven months. So, um, yeah, we may have. I I was a buck sergeant back then. Uh, my team leader was a, a guy, uh, Danny, and uh, he was a staff sergeant. And, man, we were the, – the interesting thing about it is it's like our unit at Fort Benning, we would run the roughly 300 missions a year. Um, our team ran 300 missions in Baghdad. So the whole company ran 2,469 incidents in, three, in six months. Jesus. Man. Yeah. We were, we were busy. Yeah. It, it just, yeah. Cause I was a scout, uh, a Calvary scout. So we'd go out and cordon off areas, call EOD on all the time and for any bombs or anything. That's if they didn't blow up on us first. But yeah, the, uh, one of the first big IEDs we had, we actually had the uh, Discovery Channel with us doing a documentary on us. And they initially did a thing with the Marines and their last day in country, they got, or we got blown up and yeah. They left the country right after that. I think it scared them a little bit too much. It was like, if I remember, it was a one five five round. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah. nope, we're out of here. And I was brand new private. I was e nothing. So yeah. fresh out of OSET training. So it was like, I had no idea what the hell. There was no training for that kind of stuff. Nothing yet at that point. So yeah, a lot of so. a lot of a uh, lot of exploring and learning. Those, yeah, exploring. Yeah. Yeah, exploring the kind of the wrong ways and get blown up all the time. So. <laughs> Lessons learned, man. Lessons learned. That's so. the only thing I hated about Iraq was just IEDs. I couldn't oh, hate that shit. <laughs> but yeah. so how many yeah. how many times did you totally or did you uh, deploy as EOD? So on active duty, I went over twice. Oh uh, three, oh four for Iraq, and then oh five where I was actually a team leader in oh five, and I was up in Kalat, which is northeast of uh, Kandahar. Um, and we were with, I was with second of the 503rd from 173rd, uh, 173rd, uh, mm-hmm. the of Italy boys. So, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, I went to a specialized nuke unit in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and I got out shortly after that. And then in 08 on a contract, um, I went over with, uh, with a soft base unit, basically. Um, we comprised, uh, all these different MOSs. The guys that have gotten off active duty weren't active duty anymore. We brought in all these different specialized um, job skill sets, and we created what was called the FOX team, the field exploitation team. So uh, we were showing Big Army by building up target packages that we could in real time take out uh, bomb maker cells. So that's what we were doing in 08 in Baghdad. And then I was with uh, Sodaf West in Afghanistan in – 10, 11, and 12. So. Man, it seems like we kind of went in a lot of the same places because I was also in Afghanistan, 10, 11. So. Where were, you small, where were you at then? Uh, Kunar province, all the way up north in the Hindu Pass, uh, yep. where Cop Keating was, uh, overrun, OP Barrio Lai was overrun, Battle for Wana, all that fun stuff. So yeah. right next to the Pakistan border. So. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, fun times. Yep, 05 was Kalat, and then um, it was called the the conventional side was called Camp Stone out out west, northwest. Uh, we were 70 clicks from the Iranian border. Jeez, so 
Yeah, I, so, soda, I was at Soda Quest there. <laughs> so how uh so you got out what year did you end up getting out of the army? Oh seven. And what I mean, why did you end up getting out? I mean, why didn't you try to stay in, make a longer career? Um, I had gotten myself into some trouble and then I had a zealous first sergeant that was trying to make an example of me. Um and uh the just the inner workings of all that nonsense uh really kind of just ticked me off. Um so I told him uh, I told him I quit because I was in an alcohol uh, treatment program, and uh, I told him I quit, and then that forced them to discharge me. And he, so we were at an Air Force base, and then we had to go down to Fort Bliss to actually do the out processing. Um, he actually took me down there. The first sergeant took me down there and uh, tried to get me an, an other than honorable discharge or, or a, a BCD, and. Uh, they couldn't do it because of the awards that I'd had in the last three years. They had to give me an honorable. So um, looking back at it, I probably just should have stuck it out uh, and finished my 20, but um, things are different. You know, back then I was uh, – the politics was driving me nuts, um, and uh, I'm, I'm – I've done so many different things since I got off active duty that uh, it's been an interesting – it's been an interesting existence. You know, I did a war crimes case, testified in a war crimes case for for the uh, Kosovo-Bosnian War back in 2009. Um, I worked for government contracting companies, you know, like that got me to Baghdad in 08 and then also got me to Soda West in 10, 11, and 12. Um, I've taught for so many other companies out there um, in homemade explosives, uh, like mixing courses. Uh, I've done tactical i've taught the tactical side of post-blast analysis you know um it's it's i've done it's been it's been an interesting existence i'll just say that and i wouldn't change it for the world so yeah it sounds like you've had quite a quite an interesting ride after you transitioned out so yeah uh, yeah. is that did you jump right in doing all that or did you have a period there after you uh got out or how did you get into what you're doing so i was um i was getting married as I left the military, um, I went straight to the UXO industry, did two two UXO jobs. One was a chemical cleanup job. I think it was in Mississippi. Um, and then I got hired on by that company to go to Baghdad for that uh, for that mission. Um, that was six months over there. Uh, we had our son, and then I did the, um, the war crimes case, and then I started working for other government contracting companies. So... I won't say the transition was easy um, as the sole proprietor for, you know, or, or the one that was working for the family because she was still active duty at the time and then getting med, uh, med, uh, med boarded out for her back. So, um, I don't know. It was, it was unique. Uh, a lot of struggles. Um, you, you know, I my PTSD almost, uh, almost got me to almost two years ago. Um, that almost killed me two years ago and, and going through mental health and going through, uh, the, um, the therapy while COVID was going on. So it was all like, you know, zoom calls like this and stuff with the therapist and they sent me the paperwork and I'm doing all the whatever. So, but going through all that, um, has really changed my, uh, my life. I've learned that because through the therapy, I learned that I've been suffering from PTSD for like 25 years, you know, and then, the 
saturation point that, that has been always haunting me was my first combat tour, you know, at 30 years of age, my first combat tour in, in, uh, in Iraq. So those post-blast analysis, just nothing prepared me for all, all the devastation and the death. So, yeah, that's, uh, so let's backtrack a little bit. Your PTSD, I mean, how bad did it truly get? Uh, I was sitting on, I was at my dad's. I'd lost everything. I was sitting at my dad's, uh, in the spare bedroom on the bed. I had the gun next to me and I made a phone call and thank God she answered. And, uh, what, um, how did you, what did you do first for treatment after you, you, after that incident or who'd you reach out to? Well, so I went to the VA, um, and I, I signed up, signed myself up for a, um, some substance abuse assessment and also a mental health assessment. And, um, when I went to the substance abuse counselors, they're like, you don't really have a, a substance abuse issue. Your, your PTSD is on fucking steroids is what it is. So, uh, which is forcing you to self-medicate, you know, that type of thing. So, um, with that being said, with the mental health assessment was done by, I think that was done in the, the beginning of July. And by the end of the month, I was in treatment. So. And uh, I'm taking it you don't drink or do anything now? Oh, no, I took uh, – I, I stopped drinking through the therapy. Um, I do drink now, but I'm not drinking any pain away. You know, um, it's a social activity. So, um, I mean, I, I like to taste the whiskey, so – you know, but uh, I'm Irish for God's sakes. Uh, so it's it's been I mean it's been a road. I've learned a lot. Um, my PTSD destroyed the relationship I was in, but she was the one that answered the phone call. And through my therapy, I've learned to be happy for her because she's moved on. To be happy for her happiness because she's in a great relationship. You know, um, people I've come I've I've kind of. Uh, rekindled my, uh, uh, rekindled my faith working on that. And, uh, it's, it's been easy, easier with working on both of them. Hold on. I'm putting the window up because I think it's getting more windy. <laughs> um, working through therapy, but then also, re, uh, you know, kind of diving back into my faith. It's, uh, it helped me kind of even balance on both sides. Um, I learned to, 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 uh, accept the things that I could, uh, you know, ask for help with the things that I could. Um, and, and obviously count all the blessings that, uh, that have, have popped up. You know, I started in therapy. Uh, she joined me in a business venture with two other friends of mine and we started Master Blaster Coffee. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I got that going. I've got another consulting firm going and then I'm working this project here in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, and what what do you do out there in Wisconsin? So the, the project is is we're coming in and uh, the surveyors went out and they put uh, utility corridor lanes out there in the on the range. We're going we're clearing those corridors up to a depth of six feet. Um, we went out there. We're surveying. Uh, it's the UXO side of surveying equipment, which means we were looking for anomalies that were in the ground. Um, we we reacquire those targets that have been identified through GeoSplat, and then we dig them up to find out. We go intrusive and dig them up to find out what we've got. 
you know, a lot of it's like com wire, barbed wire, uh, you know, uh, bullets, you know, stuff of that nature. But we got to clean these corridors out. So that way, at the end of our project, the construction companies can come in behind us, lay out those whatever they got to do for those utilities. They're basically revitalizing the range, changing up the range to to provide a different type of uh, a training environment. Got it. And I just realized you said you, you also uh, have Master Blaster Coffee, and it's like, hmm, now I know now I know why you call it Master Blaster Coffee. So yeah, yeah, our. Uh, so there's three different badges, bomb squad badges in the military for EOD, and it, you know you got the the, uh, the basic badge, which we call the slick badge. You got the the senior badge, which has just the star on the bomb, and then, then uh, the master blaster badge has the star above with the wreath and the star on the bomb. And, and uh, um, it's a navy it's a navy run school, so the bomb the the badge is called the crab, the EOD crab. So that's funny. It's just it's. It's kind of funny how you name your coffee master blaster EOD and all that stuff. So I just kind of wonder where you got the name for it. Now I know. So I like it. Thanks. One of, my, one of my, yeah, one of my other partners is uh, one of my students from hell, like 10 years ago. Uh, and we've just been friends ever since. Uh, Josh and Christina actually, they blamed me for introducing them and then they got married and they got two, two little great ones. So, you know, I'm Uncle Buck, and they got and the nephews. Their 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 kids, their boys are my nephews. So, um, so they joined the the company with me, and then uh, 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 Joanna, who I was in the relationship with, and then you know dealt with. She was there for me with my PTSD therapy. Um, she's in the company as well. So, but I, they made me the milk carton guy for the the face of the company. So, um, they're all like behind the scenes, and I'm I'm trying to do as much heavy lifting as I can. So. Got it. Uh, so out of everything you've done in the military, is there like one thing that stands out the most between the Marines and the Army and of course your EOD? So is there anything that really stands out? Yeah, I'm, uh, all the blessings and all the different job opportunities and all the, 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 uh, the really fun and crazy things that I've been able to do since I got off active duty is all because of, of EOD. And I'm, uh, I'm ecstatic about it. It really has, uh, developed into quite a unique, um, living career, you know, existence, if you, if you will, I'll be turning, I'm turning 50 in September. So, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to make it this far, let alone, uh, um, in, you know, enjoy all the things that I've been able to do, all the unique experiences that I've had. So you're about to turn 50. Damn. I thought you were about to turn 60. Just kidding. No, and I get that a lot and I appreciate that. No, I'm you know? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> But it seems like you had a good good career. Uh, you know, it seems like you're doing quite a bit of stuff, and I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that you overcame your PTSD for the most part. Are you still going through uh, treatment today, or? So, um, I do. Uh, I do like a Christian Bible study every Thursday. Um, I, we do it through Zoom because there's so many of us from different parts of the United States. Um, and then uh, I, the options there for me to go to therapy, but I. Uh, I also have uh, very good friends in my network. Uh, one of the biggest accomplishments I think through therapy is, is that I don't, I don't internalize it or allow it to fester inside me anymore. I, I openly talk about it. I've been on other podcasts. Um, I did one with the EOD Warrior Foundation. We sponsored we as a as an EOD uh, small business, a for profit small business with the, the coffee company. We tried to give back to the community and we do that a lot through the EOD warrior foundation at the moment. Um, 
and we, we really enjoy that relationship with them. So, um, talking about it's a hell of a lot easier. Uh, some people are just like, you know, I had no idea. Um, and, and I have a story to share. Um, I've been doing, I've been bringing awareness by doing push-ups, uh, 22 push-ups a day. It's actually 23 because I got to give one up to the Marine Corps. You know, Chesty Buller needs his push-up. So, uh, I got it. I do 23 push-ups a day. Um, I've been doing it for 421 days today, but 422. Um, and I, I share it on my social media, you know, my Facebook page, and then I push it to other groups. Um, I have a, um, a friend of mine who's a former tech ops officer from the ATF. John and I've been friends, or, uh, Todd and I've been friends, uh, for a long time. And, we started a uh, an initiative on Facebook called Diffusing 22 Plus, and what we're trying to do is bring awareness to the suicide rates on the military side of the house, and then the flip side of that coin is the uh, the first responders. Him him being the representative of of that dynamic, and I represent the military, and uh, we're getting some traction. You know, it's a slow moving thing. Uh, we'd eventually like to uh, make it a nonprofit if we can get enough traction moving moving down that direction. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, this is good to hear. Uh, so how how can people get a hold of you or find you? Uh, I, I'm going to my my page my page for Facebook. My uh, private account is going to go public here soon because I've I'm almost at that five thousand uh, threshold, and in order to continue to reach new people or for people to find me easily. I need to, uh, I need to make it public. Um, I'm on there. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, the coffee is, uh, I'm on Instagram. The coffee is on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and also Twitter. So, uh, you know, you can search for me, Stephen O'Donnell, uh, in, uh, in Facebook. Um, it's a PH, uh, not a V. And, uh, uh, my current profile picture is uh, I'm wearing a green shirt. I got long ass hair from when I was in Afghanistan in two, uh, 2010. Um, and my background backdrop is me in the bomb suit walking down to a device in 2005. Got it. Uh, well, it's so, nice for you to come on today. And yeah, I feel your pain, Stephen, with the pH. Yeah. Same thing over here. I hate it. Yeah. Everybody's always like, Stefan? It's like, no, stop calling yeah. me that. But yeah. well, nice. It was nice of you to come on today. Uh, but this wraps up this episode of the Swan Dingo Files with Master Blaster Steven. And y'all have a good day now. See y'all on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swan Dingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. But with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking.